week we kicked off a new series called Goliath Must Fall. It's based on a book by the title of that same name, or at least the, well, it's not based on the, the book, it's based on the story in the Bible, but the title comes from the book Goliath Must Fall, and there's some great things in that book from Louis Giglio as well, and we realize that we all face giants. We all face Goliaths. We all face things that we're dealing with in our life that, that we just can't seem to get by sometimes that just seem to keep knocking us down, that, that we know there's a life to be lived on the other side of that Goliath, but we just can't seem to get there. And sometimes we just resign ourselves to accept that this is just the way life is. But we don't wanna do that battle with the Goliath, so we've tried so many times that we just live in that fear. We live in the shadow of that giant. Well, when I was a kid, I lived in the shadow of a giant. And uh, I probably called it and thought of it less as a giant. I thought of it a lot more like a monster thought of like this monster, and this monster, I kid you not, lived in our basement. It lived in our basement, it was terrifying. It huffed, and it snarled, and it growled, and it bellowed, and it was one of the most terrifying things that I had to deal with as a kid growing up in our house. Now, if I had to go down the basement, my parents would maybe, or somebody said, you know, go get the laundry, or get some shoe polish, or get some, uh, you know, get some luggage, whatever is down in that laundry room in the basement, that's where I had to go get it. And so I would go down the stairs, and turn the lights on, which was great, and we had a mostly finished out basement, which was, which was nice, had lights, but the problem was, when I'd get to the bottom of the stairs or get near the basement, I could hear it. I could hear it huffing and puffing in the laundry room. I kid you not, it was terrifying. But then to get into the laundry room, the problem there was you'd get to the door and the laundry room was dark. It was black, you couldn't see anything. There were no windows, and unlike the rest of the basement, the laundry room was not finished, and it did not have a light switch right by the door. You know what kind of light switch it had? Ah, uh, yeah, you guys <laughs> know what I'm talking about. Some of the kids are going, oh, I've never seen one like that. Yeah, there's like a light bulb in the ceiling and there's a string. And of course, that light bulb, that string is placed in the middle of the room. And so in order to turn the light on, you had to go into the room to get it. And so this was the most terrifying part of my journey to meet this monster that I didn't want to die from. And so we'd get in that room and it'd be like one of those things where you like had to build up the courage and like just kind of lunge and hope. You, you know, you reach for it and then it's there and you grab it and it's like, ah, light. And light dispels some of that darkness. All of a sudden it's like, it's not as bad, right? It's just not quite as scary. On, it's not quite as scary. But the monster was still there and it was the furnace. You know what I'm talking about, right? The furnace when it kicks in and it bellows and it growls and... But somehow with the light on, it was manageable. It was doable. And, some, and yet I would, even though I knew it was just a furnace, I would still live with that fear of going into the basement, going in the dark, having to go down there and get something out. And I think that's so much like what we deal with when we deal with our giants, when we deal with our monsters. It's like they're not real in some ways. They're real because we are affected by them. They're real because we're held captive by them. But if we can shine some light on it, if we can see what's really there, we can walk in a whole new confidence and a whole new freedom. And that's what I wanna talk about today. How do we move past this idea of stepping out from the shadow of our giant? Stepping out, that's what I wanna talk about, stepping out from the shadow of the giant. Now to recap, and I'm gonna share this every week because these principles are so important. As we talk about the story of David and Goliath, this well-known story, you know, yes, we know David has a sling and he, shoots, he swirls the rock around, hits Goliath in the head takes him out, cuts off his head, he wins. David defeats Goliath. We know that part of the story. But what is so important for us to remember, this is not a series on self-help. This isn't how, for, how you can muster more courage, how you can gain more confidence, how you can do better battle. 
Because here's the key truth that we said, even though there's, David's an unlikely hero in the story, what we learned last week is that the unlikely hero is not you. You're not David, we're not David, who is? Jesus is. Jesus is, Jesus is the one in the story. We think so many times, we're David, we're not David. We're not called to go in there and have to take down the giants ourselves. That's why so many of us have been defeated so many times. Because we can't take out Goliath. We're more like the the Israelite army that's been taunted by Goliath for 40 days, too afraid to do anything, stuck in that shadow. But Jesus comes and he defeated the giant. He defeated Satan. He defeated those things that that conquer us. Victory is already ours, but we also shared another important truth last week. That though, although Goliath is dead, he is still deadly. And that's, a, that's this, this, this strange time that we live in between the already but not yet. Satan has already been conquered on the cross. The Christ already defeated the devil on the cross and evil, and he already has victory. But yet we live in a time where the effects of, of Satan and sin in our lives are still very real. And so what we are living is we're living in the shadow of these giants. And what I've talked about here this week, what we want to really grasp is how do we begin to take the step out? How do we begin to walk in that freedom to get to the other side of Goliath where there is life, where there is victory so that we're not stuck on this side? In the next four weeks, we're gonna keep covering different steps that we can take. And today, I wanna talk about that first step that we're gonna take to get out of that shadow, to live in that victory that we have. And so as I think about the story, too, of my childhood, that darkness, there's something about darkness, hiddenness, secrets, where a lot of these giants tend to live in our life. And the, giant, the giants love the darkness. They're, they're drawn to shadows, and we get sucked into those. We get pulled into those. And, and there's something about sin that, that has a proclivity towards darkness, doesn't it? When there's sin in our lives, and, and today I wanna really dive into that part. Sometimes our giants aren't sin. They're, they're challenges, they're obstacles. But today I wanna focus on some of the sin and the challenges that, that we have in our life, ways where we, we, we leave God's path for us. And when we sin, our natural inclination is to hide and to gravitate towards towards darkness. This this was the experience of Adam and Eve in the garden already. The very first two people on earth were told not to eat of the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They took a bite. They ate. What did they do? They hid. They hid. Two people, the first thing they do when they sin is they hide. That's in our nature. It's what we do. We hide things that we know we're not supposed to do. Any of you ever have any kids or been a kid? You know, you do something wrong, you hide. You don't want to get found out. My mom told me that when, when, uh, when I was growing up that we had this like armoire dresser in my, in my bedroom and it had like a little ledge on the side and it was up against the wall. And she would go in there and she found all kinds of candy wrappers and food and things, you know? And and why did I as a kid know in that little spot behind the wall where nobody could see it? And of course my mom saw it. But we, it starts small. You just go and you think that's, if I can just hide it, if I can just just get it out there. But, But as we get older, the ways that we hide, the darkness grows larger. The sins grow bigger. The things we're dealing with if you've ever taken anything, you typically try, you, you take it and you try to hide it. You don't want somebody to see that you've taken something. You sneak it. If you've ever cheated, you know you have to make that cheat sheet really small back in the day when we didn't have, I don't know, d- electronic devices. Anyone else had to like write a small piece of paper, write it as small as possible, the answers, the formulas. Nobody else, that was just me on that one time. I, I'm, I'm confessing. It was not one of my better moments. Why, did I want the teacher to see it? No, of course not. 
It's sin. It's wrong. You don't want to do it, so you, you hide it. With some of the biggest sins in our life, some of the things that, that really are some of the biggest giants that we face, I want to lean into this quite a bit today, are addictions. Addictions. Now, some of us might zone out right away, oh, I'm not addicted to anything. Well, let's just think about this for a little bit. And we know the addictions that are, that are prevalent, that are so prominent, that have just ruined lives and families, addiction to alcohol or to drugs that have just ruined lives, you know, whether it's prescription drugs, whether it's whatever it is, this, the, the, the addiction is so strong to chemical dependencies that just can't seem to be broken, that are just have this, this pull and this draw on people's lives. The support groups that we have here at the church are, are, are full for years and years and years of people dealing with, with alcohol and drug addictions and families affected and trying to, to work their way through that and finding that healing. Addictions are powerful. Some of us deny that we have those addictions. Oh, you know, I don't really have it, but others around you might be looking at you going, no, that's more than just having a glass of wine now and again. You've got secret, quiet addictions, things that, that help affect us from substance. Pornography, sexuality, sex addiction is huge. It's a big problem, it's a big challenge. It happens in the dark, it happens out of uh, where it's unseen. And it just seems like, wow, how do we break from this? How do we break free from this? There's affairs and things that are acted out on in different ways that are happening, where do those things happen? They happen in secret, they happen in the quiet, in the dark, in the shadows. But there are other addictions that play out in the light of day, and yet they take place in the darkness of our soul, in the darkness of, of who we are. And, and maybe, the, again, others see it, but, but don't really know that this is an addiction, that this is a struggle, that this is a challenge. Addictions like the addiction to approval, the addiction to acceptance, the likes that you gotta get on pictures or photos or on comments. There's this, this, this little hit that we get every time that happens and, and people don't understand that our world is driven by that approval but, but we, we play it cool on the surface but it's driving us constantly and we just never feel like we're accepted or approved. We see addictions of screens. I don't have to get into that these days. All kinds and manner of screen, right? I mean, I bet you every single one of us is addicted to our phone at some level. If you've got a smartphone, you're wrestling through some level of addiction. You know it when, you're, when you forget your phone somewhere and you leave. Why do we have the reactions that we do? Like we can't embrace the day, we can't go through the day, and it happens already if it's my daughter in middle school and left her phone at home that day. How do we get through the day? Right, there's an addiction there at some level. What is that? Or video games. You're up till two, three, four in the morning. It's starting to affect your work. It's happening in different ways. It, it, how do you deal with that? You're binging Netflix and one show after another after another and it's just, it's just nonstop. How do we get away from that? Some of you are Fox News addicts, CNN addicts. Just have to have 24 hours news, more, more theories, more conspiracies, more hate, more more whatever it is, and just gotta consume it more. You can't turn it off. It's like the constant soundtrack to the back of your home is 24-hour news. And it gets sucked in, and it becomes an addiction. And you don't think about it in those ways, but that's what it is. Other addictions, control and perfection. You're addicted to just trying to get things to be just the way they're supposed to be, and they just never can seem to be quite perfect or quite the way they need to be, and you're constantly working towards that. Maybe it's the perfect home trying to have the perfect image, trying to have the perfect look, the perfect body, whatever it is, you're, you're working towards that and you just can never seem to settle and rest and find peace. It's driving you all the time. Other addictions, the need for comfort and security. 
That's a huge addiction here in our country, in the affluency. When we have everything that we need, just more, more comfort, more security, just a little bit more in my accounts, a little bit more, more nice things that I can have in my life, enjoyment and pleasure. And, and that's another thing, just the, this idea of just looking for experience or happiness, trying to find that next hit, that next high, that next thing. Surely then I'm gonna find that peace that I'm looking for in life. Other addictions, success, workaholism. You just keep, keep working, keep going, keep doing more, keep, because maybe at that place, that's maybe the one place in your life where you're getting some positive strokes and you know, in this world, that's one addiction that this world celebrates. The more driven you are, the more you work, the more hours you put in, the harder you go, at a boy, at a girl, go after it. And we just go and we get that, that hit and then maybe there's more money with that, more success, and we don't realize that it's just driving us, but where is it driving us to? And on the other side, we have addiction to laziness, addiction to nothingness, addiction to try to just get out of doing anything that we have and just trying to find whatever I can just to, just to be, just to whatever. What are these addictions that are, that are driving us? Because if we don't deal with our addictions and these giants, they will destroy us. All addictions have something in common. They all start small. They might even start with something good. They might even start with something nice, like some of the stuff that we mentioned here. They're not all bad things, but when they become to the place that where they take a hold of us, where that's what we focus on, where that's what we can't get past, that's the problem. They start small, but they grow. Every once in a while, we hear stories like this on the news. One was a few, uh, some years ago, there was a, a woman in Minnesota. Uh, she was in her 50s, and uh, early 50s. She had a 14-year-old son, and uh, she raised pet tigers and uh, had this enclosure and was raising pets, and she was even an, an expert in the field, and, and, and one day, she was mauled by the tiger. Son came and found her, and she, she was dead. And we kind of go like, um, yeah, you're, you're raising a pet tiger. You know, but the tiger didn't start that way. The tiger didn't start hundreds and hundreds of pounds with the power to destroy. It started what? As a cute little kitty cat. <laughs> I mean, who, who hasn't seen a tiger cub and gone just, oh, I don't care how hardened of a man you might be. It's just, oh, it's a cute kitty, you know, it's a, it's a cub. And it grows, but, but it doesn't stay that way. And in that same year that she was mauled, they had to remove 33 other tigers from people's homes in Minnesota. Just a little sidebar there, and you're going, wow, I didn't realize people are, maybe your neighbor has a tiger and you don't even know it. I don't know. But, but tigers didn't start that way, right? They started small. Goliath didn't start nine feet tall. But at some point, they grew into these, these, these giant obstacles, these hurdles that we can't get over. And here's the thing, just to reiterate this point, our giants only grow bigger in the darkness. And so as long as we stay in that shadow, as long as we stay in that place, we're not gonna experience freedom. And it might just be a shadow that we're fighting. It might just be a, a furnace that's in the basement and not real, but, but as long as we allow it to be in that place, they just continue to loom larger. So what we need to do, and what I wanna do today, is I wanna shine a light into that darkness. I wanna shine a light to break into that, to guide you out, to shatter that darkness, to show, show here's the, the path to freedom. The problem is, and the challenge is, we fear the light. <laughs> if we've gotten so comfortable living in darkness, and right now, again, none of us would wanna just have like a thought bubble pop up and all of our names on the screen, and here's everyone's giant. Here we go, everyone's addiction, everyone's challenge. All of us would be mortified by that because we don't want that exposed. We don't want that seen. We wanna keep it quiet. We wanna keep it in the dark, and so we fear stepping into the light. 
What's it gonna do? What's it gonna, what's gonna happen? John 3.20, Jesus already knew this. He said, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it. Why? For fear their sins will be exposed. This is not a new thing. This has been around a long time. Jesus recognized that that's what happens. We learn to live in the shadow. We learn to live with our addictions, with our hangups, with our hurts, with the challenges. We've tried to fight the battles. We just give up and go, this is just the way it is. But in the end, it just continues to grow and it continues to fester. So how do we step out in the light? In John 3, 21, Jesus continues, but those who do what is right, what do they do? They come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So how do we step out of that shadow? We're gonna look at the story and, and then we're gonna dive into something powerful, words that, that maybe challenge us, that always challenge us, it's confession and repentance. Let's pray and then we're gonna look further at these two pieces. Heavenly Father, even just raising these different addictions, these different sins, these different challenges, whether or not we call them the addictions, but, but God, we know there's something that has a hold on us, a giant that we can't get past. Today, Father, I pray that we wouldn't fear your light, but that we would welcome it today and that we would take a step into that light. Open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we looked at the story and have been looking at the story of David and Goliath. And again, no surprise, you know, David kills Goliath. He knocked him out, he cut off his head, he's standing there in the middle of this valley. Remember, the, the Israelites are on one side, the Philistines on the other, and this valley's in between, and David and Goliath do battle there in the, in the middle. And now Goliath is dead, and David is standing there with the head of Goliath. Victory, remember, the, that was the promise. Whoever defeats and beats the other, victory is there. So they have victory, right? They've won. They conquered, the, the Israelites have now defeated the Philistines. So let's pick up the story here in, in 1 Samuel 17, verse 51. It says, when the Philistines, right, saw that their champion, Goliath, was dead, they turned and ran. So at this point, you're going, you know, if you're the Israelites, woo, war cry, we won, it's over, the battle has won, we have victory, Goliath is dead. But, but look at what they did. Then the men of Israel and Judah, they did, they gave a great shout of triumph. But then what did they do? They rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Sharem as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. You kind of go, okay, where's, what's the spiritual principle here? <laughs> do we go plunder? Do we go chase? Do we kill? No, 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 no. This is, we're speaking metaphorically here. But what they did is they realized there's victory, right? Goliath is dead. They can claim victory, but they didn't just stop there. They didn't just stop and celebrate. They shouted. They were excited. You know, last week we talked about Goliath is dead. Your Goliath is already defeated. This addiction you're dealing with, the stuff that you're struggling with, he's already dead. We can celebrate that. We can thank God for that. But what they did here is they didn't just rest. They understood they had to now go from this part of the valley, or the, the mountain, they had to go past Goliath and experience victory on the other side. They've been living in the shadow, now they need to know what does it look like to live victorious? What does it look like to live as victors? See, you are victorious in Christ. Stop living like a victim and start acting like a victor. This is so important for us as we think this through. Is we if we stay in this idea of, of, you know, Goliath has been defeated, but we keep living in the shadow, we're continuing to live as victims. 
That's the deadly, you know, he's dead but still deadly side of the equation. And so we have to do what the Philistines did. They began to, to now take action. They had to step out of that mentality of victim for 40 days, being taunted, not doing anything. The victory has been won, but now they have to go and take hold of what that victory looks like. So how do we take hold of that? If, if Christ is, our, is already defeated Satan, how do we walk into that? And as I said, we need to talk about the, the first giant step into that is confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. That's how we step into that. That's how we begin to experience the light. Now, in, in our home, I just, just thinking about this the, the other day, we, one, of the, the best, um, one of the best gadgets we ever purchased in, in our life when we, we got married is, uh, is something that we sometimes gift. It's a weird wedding gift. We think we've done it once or twice. But it's a, it's a dust buster. The most used appliance in our home is the, is the little dust buster because there's always stuff on the floor. Especially the more kids you have, there's always something there and you just need to grab it. You don't want to get the vacuum cleaner out. You know, and so we're always using it. We've gone through a bunch of them and, um, and, and our kids use them. We all use them. Um, but there's one thing that only I do and none of the kids ever do. <laughs> empty it. <laughs> charge it. Close second. Show me. Charge it. Number two. All right. But empty it. Number one answer. Number one answer on the board. Um, they... They don't like to empty it, nor the trash, nor the vacuum cleaner bin. All right, I get that. But see what happens, what happens when it's just, it's collecting all this garbage, all this trash, and eventually what happens? It doesn't work very well. It loses its power, it loses its ability to do anything. So what you have to do is you have to take it, you gotta empty it out, you gotta clean the filter, you gotta put it back in, and what happens? It's like, ah, it can breathe again, it can do what it was supposed to do. And I think what happens with us, and so many times we, we think confession may be like, oh, that's when, maybe when I first came to Christ or I surrendered my life to him, I came and I confessed my sins, and we've never confessed since. We've never dealt with some things. And so what is confession? Confession is cleansing for the soul. Confession helps you breathe. And so what does it look like to confess and repent? And I wanna look at four things here that help us take these steps, and, and I hope that we will do them today. This very moment that you would experience what it looks like to step into that light of confession and repentance. The first is this, get honest, name the giant. Get honest and name the giant. Nothing happens in our lives that we just continue to deny and say it's not real, I don't have an issue, there's no problems, there's nothing I'm dealing with, I'm okay, and yet we continue to live in the darkness. First John 1, 8 says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So if any of us here today claims we have no sin, guess what, you're fooling yourself. I'm fooling myself, I think I have no sin if I've got it all figured out. And then we're not living in the truth, and when you don't live in the truth, you live in the darkness, you live in the shadows. And what happens there? The giant continues to grow. We all sin. We all deal with something. What is the addiction, even if you, maybe you don't wanna call it that. Maybe that's your first step, calling it that. Maybe it's just naming, what is it for you? What is that giant that you can say to God, he's been defeated, but I gotta figure out how to now live in that. What is that in your life? That's the first part, get honest, name the giant. The second is this, and we'll camp out here just a little bit longer. Confess, so what does it mean to actually confess? What does that look like? Admit you are powerless and weak to defeat the giant. We don't like this part. Nobody wants to admit that we're powerless and weak against something. Nobody wants to be seen as weak. Nobody wants to be seen as weak, you know, like not over a little piece of paper, rolled cigarette or joint. Like, come on, like that has the power over me? A glass of alcohol, a bottle of beer, like that, that has power? A little tiny pill would have power over me? 
The inability to, to not click something, to not look at something, that, that can't possibly have power over me. How can these things have power over me? Is it impossible for me to, 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 to you know, as I'm looking at, at, you know, listening to that silly voice in my head, that I can't just turn, tune that out and say, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna listen to that anymore. I'm, I'm not gonna hear that anymore. It, it, it's enough. Little doubt and security, we don't wanna admit that we're weak, but this is so critical to confession. When I think about the, the New Testament, and, and you can't think about the New Testament, obviously, without Jesus Christ, and then the next figure that you think about is probably Paul. Paul, who wrote so much of the New Testament, he was this amazingly powerful figure. He seemed to have courage and boldness, and he would go into places where he was like the only one, and thousands would be shouting out against him. He was threatened with an inch of his life, and whipped, and beaten, and shipwrecked, and all this kind of stuff. This, this, this man, here's what he writes. He, he, he's heard from God, and he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10, this is what he heard God saying to him. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. This is the paradox in, in the kingdom of God. That when I'm weak, that's actually when I'm strong. Weak is the new strong for the follower of Christ. This is where we gain our strength. This is where we gain our power. But who wants to admit we're weak? None of us want to admit we're weak. But if we step back for a second and let's compare, you know, who's stronger? You compare an addict and a recovering addict. Who would you say is stronger in who they are and what they know? The, the, the addict might say, you know, I don't have a problem. I'm okay. I got this. I can handle it. I can do it. No, no, you know, I, I can get out of this on my own. I don't want to admit, I, whatever. Is that strength? Or is it the one who says, you know what, I can't handle this. I can't beat this. I can't do it. I'm too weak to do that. And that's where the healing begins. The 12-step program, and, and even what we see, they're so grounded in Scripture. It's so powerful to take some of these steps and admitting we have an issue and then being able to say, you know, I'm powerless and defenseless against this. That is when all of a sudden we realize I'm stuck in the shadows. I need help to get out of the shadow. And I can't do it on my own. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So get honest, then confess, admit you're powerless and weak. And the third is this, repent. Run to your heavenly Father. The word repent actually means to turn around, to change directions to run to your heavenly Father. I love this verse in Hebrews 4. It says this, so let us come boldly. How? Come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. What happens there? We will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So we think, come boldly before God and there we must cower and there we will get punished and there we will go, oh, have mercy and we have to just, just, just fall and beg because God is harsh and he's, no, 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 no. Come boldly to our gracious God, the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Where do you run? Where do you run when you need help? Where do you run when you hurt? Where do you run when you ache, when you're wounded? Talking about addictions, all addiction tries to soothe a wound, an ache, and a pain. And you know what? It does a good job. That's why we'd go there. It does a real good job soothing the wound and the hurt and the ache momentarily, right? And some of us, that's, just, that's good enough. 
I'll take the momentary, but here's the thing, it can never heal the wound. And it actually just keeps the wound raw, it keeps the wound open, and it actually can make the wound even bigger. It can never heal it. Run to God instead, that's repent. Return to your heavenly Father, go back to him. Bring your pain to God instead of to the bottle, or to the pill, or to the website, or to your phone, or to the voice in your head, or to whoever you run to. How do you run and turn to, to God and ask for his forgiveness and grace, go to his, his throne? You know, David defeated Goliath. He could take him out nine feet tall. But you know what Goliath he couldn't slay? A much more beautiful Goliath named Bathsheba. He didn't slay that giant. He couldn't overcome that temptation. He couldn't do that, and so he fell into to sin. He did some pretty awful things, some of the worst things that we can think about, everything from, from murder to, to adultery to whatnot. He struggled in that. And when he was confronted with his sin, when he came to that place, even David himself again knew he was weak too weak, and he needed to come to God. We read in Psalm 32 what he says, 32 verse five, the words from David here. Finally, I confess all my sins to you, to God, and stop trying to do what? To hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. So even David, David knew and understood the power of, of coming out of hiding and to bring that to light. One of the best examples of this in scripture is the story Jesus tells with the prodigal son in Luke 15. There's a, there's a line in that, that story when after he's been out and he's, he's spent all his money in living, he's, the, he's in wild living, it says, and, and just living large, and he's denied his father and his family, and there he is, he's, in a, he's feeding pigs, and he's groveling, and he's filthy, and he's dirty, and this line comes, when he came to his senses. There's like this moment, there was this moment, it was like a turning point, when he came to his senses, he's, he's like, I'm gonna go back to my father, I'm gonna run to my father, and I'm gonna tell him what I'm sorry for, I'm gonna confess to him, and he's planning his speech and all these things out, and he runs to his dad, and the father in the story, representative of God, just embraces him in his filth and in his broken down state, and won't even, they won't even allow him to share what he said, he's just basically, shh, just, I love you. I've got you. See, because confession isn't only just what we do with our mouth, it already happens in our heart. When we've made the decision, I'm turning to you, God. I'm moving from darkness to the light. I'm gonna run towards you. And his father loved and embraced him. See, we don't have to fear the light. Come boldly to, the gra to our gracious God. So if we get honest and we confess and we repent, the fourth thing here is this, walk. Walk, live in the light of God's grace and forgiveness. If that's there, then we have to actually live in that. We have to live as victors. We have to start experiencing that. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. He's faithful to do that, to give us a fresh start, to give us a new beginning, to wipe the slate clean. And when we confess, we're acknowledging that we believe who, that Jesus is who he said he is, that we believe that he died on the cross for our sins, that he is the replacement for our sins, he took those on himself, and that he will give us a brand new, fresh start. He's faithful to that, and so we come to him in boldness. Now we need to live in that light, we need to live in that truth. Light is truth. The lies are in the darkness, but light is truth. John 8, 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? It will set you free. But we keep listening to the lies of our addictions. We keep listening to the lies of Satan, the lies and the voices that we're hearing from our past, the things that we can't get over. And so the truth is gonna set us free. So stop listening to the lies. 
Light dispels the darkness. Truth dispels the lies. So we may fear the light, but what we have to understand is there's welcome and there's embrace and there's love and there's forgiveness that is found in that light. Why do we hang back? Why do we stay in the darkness? So just to repeat, get honest, confess, repent, walk in the light. Spelled out for us in scripture, it's the, it's the way that Jesus says, look, just that's the turning, that's the changing of our heart. It's, it's confession where we acknowledge it and repenting where we change the direction and where we're going and how we're moving. This is why we come into a place and we come into the warmth and the presence of God so that we can receive that healing. So are you ready to step out of your giant's shadow and into the light? Sounds so easy, doesn't it? It's because it is, actually. It is and it isn't, right? It's hard and isn't. We've made friends. We've kind of gotten used to the dark and to live in that place. And we've gotten used to believing we can't possibly break free from this. We can't possibly experience what it's like to live as victors on the other side. And so we continue to just stay here, but, but God is calling us, he's inviting us to step into the light. Maybe this is, a, this is a moment where we can imagine a giant light bulb here in the ceiling in this room and a long string <laughs> that's hanging down. And you think about the monsters, the shadows, the things that you're dealing with in your life, and you need to be reminded that, that they're defeated, but you need the light of Christ. You need the truth of Christ to shine into that, to show you there's a different way, that there's healing, this is a fresh start, that he'll wipe the slate clean and go, now let's go and walk in a new way. Let's, let's not live as victims under this, but let's step over Goliath and let's start living in the freedom and the hope of Christ. Jesus is that light. John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. confession, running towards God, coming to him, and that's how we take hold of that light. That's how we receive that. And this morning, I'm just feeling the weight and the heaviness of, of some of the burdens that, that we're carrying in this room, that we've been living under for a long time. And, and wondering, are we gonna go another year, another five years, another 10 years, another week? What, when are we gonna say, God, it's time for me to claim victory over this giant? and to take that first step. I want us to, to stand together as we take some time to respond here at the end. Would you stand? I want you to take some time, not for me to voice a prayer for you right now, but for you to come before God in your own way. Whatever he's stirring in you. Maybe that means singing along as the, as the worship team will guide us in, in worship and songs. But maybe it's uh, just that maybe you need to, to sit down and kneel and, and pray. But we also have these areas over here, like prayer response areas, where you can light a candle. We talk about the light of Christ. And maybe you just need to symbolize in a way before God today as a reminder, God, I need your light in this darkness of my life. And I'm stepping into that light and you light that candle and you, you just ask God to, to bring you into that light. Or you wanna pray with one of our pastors. We'd love to pray with you. You can write down a prayer request. You can write down what you're struggling with, what that giant is, what you need help with. You can put it in there and put it in the baskets. We'll pray for those as a staff during the week. But let this be a time where you're being called to step into the light. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna stay in the darkness or will you step into God's warm, welcoming, embracing light? As the scripture said, you know, come boldly before the throne 
of grace. Let's worship, let's move about. This is your space, this is our time to do business with God.